Every writer that you meet will have that one script. That one script that is their heart and soul that they love so very much that has not been discovered yet. That's what this podcast is all about. We find those scripts, these unbelievably original gems, and we bring them to life with a table read of professional actors. Welcome to Undiscovered Scripts, Movies Made of Paper. Hi, everyone. This is Zachy Rubenstein. I am the director of this podcast for Back to Back to the Future. I am here with the writer Brian Cavallero. We thought we'd ask him a few questions about his process of writing this script that we love so much. Um, welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for doing this and having me. Absolutely. So, Brian, we love your script so much. Um, it's kind of a perfect combination of nostalgia for the movie, but it's also like almost a retelling uh, with something completely fresh and brand new. What was the initial thought? How, how do you think of this story? I was with my friends Brian and Nick, and we were talking about sort of meta filmmaking and how that works. And, you know, we love movies from the 80s. That's, you know, sort of our generation of, you know, we were kids when these movies came out. And we sort of thought about what, you know, we're talking just in fun about what could be kind of fun meta versions of these stories. Um, and, you know, we talked about this. The name, obviously, was sort of catchy and funny. And, you know, so, like halfway through the conversation, I was like, I you know, want to do this. I think this is actually something and was met with like no hesitation. You know, I think we just kept sort of talking about what it could be and then uh, went home and started working on it right away. I mean, it was just sort of a fun idea and sounded like something fun to work on. When was the first time that you saw Back to the Future? That's a great question. I have, you know, clear memories of seeing E.T. in a theater and uh, certainly a bunch of other seminal movies. And the first time you've seen them are very memorable. I don't actually remember the first time I saw Back to the Future, but it just felt you know, very ingrained in my childhood. So uh, you don't remember what age you saw the film, what, what, approximately how old you were when you first saw Back to the Future? I was definitely under 10. And, and certainly when Back to the Future 2 came out, I was, you know, first in line. I was just wildly excited to see Back to the Future 2 in the theater. And what was your reaction when you saw the first film? I mean, it was just, uh, it was a spectacle. It was, you know, awe-inspiring. It's just, you know, that movie is really way ahead of its time, and the score is just absolutely tremendous. And Alan Silvestri still, you know, working today, killing it today, writing, you know, memorable scores today. And, I mean, uh, it just really, you know, brings the movie to life. And just, I feel like special effects, comedy, it's, it's, a, it's a near perfect movie and just perfect casting. How much of Marty Hadler is you? I mean, only in the sense that, like, I wanted to be, you know, Marty McFly. So, <laughs> I mean, he is a kid <laughs> that is, you know, also in that vein and lives in that world. So I think that was, uh, you know, I think I sort of certainly imagined what it's like to just not be that cool and want to be that cool. We all wanted to be Marty McFly. <laughs> At least I did, too. If you could talk to Marty McFly, what's the number one question you would ask him? <laughs> the, the fictional character of Marty the McFly? The fictional character, yes. That is a phenomenal question. Um, I think I would just ask him about sort of the awe and wonder of time travel because it's so funny. These movies, it just it happens and you get a few woes out of him and he brushes his hair back. But other, then he's just kind of on to the, you know, the nuts and bolts of trying to get through the story and fixing a car, essentially. Um, so I, I think I'd be curious about, like, his awe and wonder and where he would actually want to go because he never... 
really got a choice as to where he wanted to go and, and I think ended up in places he didn't want to be. So I'm curious to see what he would want to do. Doc talks a lot about in the movies where he would want to go and he wanted to go to the Old West. So where does Marty McFly want to go? Where would you want to go? I mean, at this point, the to the set of Back to the Future in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that would be that would be pretty fun. Or or maybe not. Maybe they all had a miserable time and, uh, you know, but that would be a real bummer to discover that. I mean, obviously, I like uh, meta things. I've written the screenplay, so I can't think of anything more meta than going to the location of the screenplay of my favorite movie. So yeah. we'll, just, we'll just keep layering on the meta until our brains break. All right. Yeah. Put, put me into the DeLorean with you. I'll go with you. So the main characters in the story are... The number one super fan of Back to the Future, but also the filmmakers themselves. Was that challenging trying to think of them in terms of being real human beings trying to make a movie? I mean, certainly they the filmmakers that are in this film, even going, you know, all the way down the line to the producers and Frank Marshall are they're all, you know, heroes of mine. So it was it was challenging, I think, to write them sometimes as being a little clumsy with their filmmaking and, you know, not being perfect humans as I think of them as and and you know, think that they are. Uh so it was it was challenging to just sort of put silly lines in their mouths, but I think, you know, for the benefit of, of the comedy in the movie or the screenplay. Did you do a lot of research leading up to writing in terms of uh, trying to figure out what actually happened behind the scenes on the real film? So that was, you know, part of the fun part of this was, you know, because I love the movie so much and I think have seen every DVD extra and listened to every commentary. I think a lot of it was built in. So even just the, the the initial thought of what this could be lent itself to like, well, we know this about Eric Stoltz and we know this story about the refrigerator. So if you weave these things into the screenplay, it will be fun. Um, what was fun for me was as I was writing it, sort of coming across different obstacles that, as you do when you're you know telling a story and then figuring out what maybe new thing you didn't know, like the writer's strike in 1985 and how that could work its way into what was actually happening uh, while they were making this film. When you wrote this script, what were your hopes for it? I just, you know, I, I was very level-headed about what this could be. I, I never even expected for there to be a podcast about it. So this is a thrill for me. Um, I knew and wanted that I just wanted to have like a big celebration and a reading of it. And we did that uh, in a warehouse in Burbank. And that was just tons of fun. It was just like kind of a big Back to the Future party. And, um, you know, that was kind of the culmination of this until this podcast came along. So I'm, I'm happy the more people can listen to it and hear it now. Do you think that uh, they should make a sequel? Uh, a modern day sequel. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little biased in the sense that, like, I have something <laughs> that I wrote that would be fun in the world, you know, in the world of Back to the Future. It's not, you do? It's not a, it's not, well, I mean, it's not a technical, you know, sequel to it. But I, I can't, you know, it would have to be an interesting take. You know, I like the take of what we did with this, with the screenplay, that it's like, it's not like we're trying to make Back to the Future 4 with the actual you know, same characters just having another wacky adventure. I think it would have to be a, a super interesting take to make another film. But Zemeckis has said he does not want to make any more, and uh, what he says goes. I, I stand by whatever he wants to do with this property. Well, don't you think that Zemeckis is going to change his mind? I mean, every property from the 80s and 90s is being redone now. Whether I don't know whether or not he'll change his mind, but it may <laughs> it may happen whether he likes it or not. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we don't know the inner workings of who owns what uh, and who controls what. 
So I, I would love to see your take on, on that uh, on that sequel at some point, if you'd like to show it to me. Absolutely. <laughs> what is your what was your favorite moment uh, when writing uh, this screenplay? What, what's the moment when you said, oh, this is this is fun? I feel like having the the sort of aha moments. I mean, I was my concern going into this was that I was going to get tired of Back to the Future because I you know, obviously went back and watched it quite a few times and it was sort of on in the background while I was writing it. So I was concerned that by the time I was done with this, I mean, writing is work and it's hard work, obviously, and it's not always fun. So I thought I'd be a little, you know, done with Back to the Future when it was over. That wasn't the case. I was thrilled about that. And, you know, I think when I came to revelations that I mean, obviously, this screenplay follows a lot of the story beat by beat where you're like, OK, here's a kid. He accidentally gets thrown back in time. He has to, you know, work with his, you know, work within a structure to create, to recreate or to make sure that his future is as he knows it. So there's a lot of things that are sort of, you know, bullet point by bullet point. So whenever I was able to break out of that for a little bit or even just like a bit of a side story, that was really kind of the most fun stuff for me. What would you say to a kid that is about to see Back to the Future for the first time? Buggle up. I mean, it's just such a such a cool movie, right? Like, I I just think any kid, I think it's like Star Wars in the sense that you, you watch these videos of little kids now watching Star Wars and just being awestruck by it. And it's, you know, the movie's over 40 years old. And it just seems like kids wouldn't be interested in something that's that dated. And I, I think Back to the Future holds up Jurassic Park, E.T., all those things are just going to be timeless. So... Stoltz as a villain and then Pike as a hero. Did you know, how did you knowingly, did you knowingly set up that uh, paradigm? How did you sort of think of that? Well, it is, I mean, it's funny that in the sense that this story, the real life Biff is the sweetest guy in the movie, right? So I thought it was funny to play off of tropes, right? Like the Biff actually in real life is very sweet. Um, Every movie needs a villain. Um, Stoltz, unfortunately, is you know a very nice human being, but we needed a villain, and he you know fit the bill because he, if he had been become Marty McFly, that would have ruined Marty Hadler's life. So he was just in, in, you know going to be the villain one way or the other. So it was kind of fun to make him sort of a bad guy. Um, Kevin Pike is very interesting uh, to me. He uh, this is a, a sort of an interesting story. I had been in touch with Kevin Pike unrelated. I, I didn't, as much as I love the movie, I didn't have his name locked away in my brain as being, you know, the production designer of Back to the Future. And he's just done incredible work for a lot of different properties. And I had, uh, through work, just through other work in the entertainment industry, had swapped a couple emails with him in the past about something else. And when this screenplay was finished, I wanted to share it with him. And I Looked him up and found his email and went to go email him and realized that we had had previous conversations about other things. And I was like, well, this is going to be really weird. But I emailed him and told him that I wrote a screenplay that he is in as a character, as a real human being. And I think that that really, really freaked him out. <laughs> he did not in any way say, I can't wait to read the screenplay. This is amazing. Really? I, I th- yeah, I think he was a little like, whoa, this is very odd. Um, but uh, thanks for, you know, he replied and, and was very sweet about it. But I think he was a, a little surprised. And uh, and I think he, he thought maybe I was a little bit of a stalker. So Did he read it? 
Absolutely not. No, he did, he did not ask to read it. He has not read it. Oh. I would I would love him to. Maybe we can get this uh, podcast to him and maybe he'll listen to it. Maybe he's not much of a reader. Well, when you finished it, did you email him and say, hey, I finished it. Would you like to read it? I did. When it was already finished, I, I had email. It was done. And I said, listen, I've done this thing. I invited him to the, to, to the reading of it. He was very polite. And we went back and forth about whether he could make it or not. But uh, that, that was sort of the end of it. But oh, wow. maybe, maybe one day he'll listen to it. All right, Kevin Pike, um, please let us know what you think uh, of our recording. We hope that you like it, and we hope you like you, we like your fictional character uh, that, uh, I guess, you know, just has your name, right? I mean, it's it's based on him, but it's it's really kind of a fictionalized version, right? Just like everybody, yeah. Yeah, it shares their names, but uh, but certainly not these who these folks are in real life. Awesome. So what other things are you working on currently? And that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm always writing and looking for different things to do. And, and uh, you know, I was talking uh, to a friend about maybe even different offshoots of what uh, Goonies could be like, uh, different versions of like backstories of some of the characters or even fictionalized characters within Goonies. Um, I definitely like, you know, sort of meta storytelling for sure. What are you working on right now? I'm working on a few different things that are all very meta-oriented, but I had a completely original movie of a screenplay that I wrote, and then I subsequently directed the film called 32 Weeks, Woo-hoo! which is out now on a bunch of different platforms. So that was fun to do something that was like sort of completely original and didn't have a framework to work off of. Where can people find that film? It's everywhere, all the, all the platforms, all the digital platforms that you can you know get something from. It's on TVODs, Tubi, Amazon Prime, iTunes, all that stuff. Okay, great. And again, for our listeners, just uh, say the name. 32 Weeks. 32 Weeks. Can you give a little pitch about what, what the film's about? Sure. It's, a, it's about a young lady who uh, lost her memory after a car accident, and she's trying to put together the pieces of the last 32 weeks of her life. And there's a, a guy that she was in a relationship with and a guy that she sort of wants to be in a relationship with. And she wasn't really sure where she left off with those two men in her life and so she's trying to put together the pieces and then it ends up there's some nefarious elements to it oh is it a thriller it sort of turns into a thriller aha so the old the old romantic comedy that turns into a thriller well brian thank you so much for sitting down and answering all of my questions today it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and we are looking forward to anything you do in the future Um, Would you like to sign off for our listeners? Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for listening to the screenplay, which is a word I never thought or a phrase I never thought I'd say. But I think that this is amazing. And uh, thank you to everybody that's worked on this, especially Andy, who's doing the podcast and the sound design on the project. Is there anything else that you think is important for our listeners to know about the screenplay? I think that it's a fun way to re-enter the world. You know, if you love Back to the Future and you want um, a little side Back to the Future project to, to listen to, to enjoy, I think, uh, or to read. I think this, you know, nails it on the head. Where can our listeners find you on social media? I'm on Instagram at Brian Cavallaro, all one word, and Twitter at Brian underscore Cavallaro. Well, we love your script so much. Uh, we were absolutely thrilled to do it. The actors were very into it, and uh, we all had a, an amazing time recording it. We'll see you next time, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. You'll get a whole new script and a whole new story in next week's episode. Please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. 
For more information about this script, along with details of the cast and crew, please visit our website at moviesmadeofpaper.com.